Jasmine and Budic Podcast starts right now. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Asman and Budic Show podcast. Jake Asman joined alongside Dan Budic. And Dan, great show planned. Also, our last show of the spring 2014 semester. We're going to be joined by Chris Regan, who is a Family Guy writer, former Daily Show writer, five-time Emmy winner, and oh yeah, he's the 2014 Ithaca College commencement speaker. Not a better time of year to have Chris on, considering he's the commencement speaker next week, being graduation, so it should be a lot of fun to talk to him about that. Pretty big speech he has to give next week, and it's going to be interesting to see what Chris has to say about working with guys like John Stewart and Seth MacFarlane. Yeah, Seth MacFarlane, obviously, you know, known for Family Guy. It's been on the air for 13, 12, 13 years, him coming on late, you know, in really not a better show to be a part of, so can't wait to talk to him about that. We're going to get to it all with Chris Regan right after this. You are listening to the Asman and Budic Podcast on ICTV.org and on iTunes. Welcome back to the Asman and Budic Show. Jake Asman joined alongside Dan Budic. And joining us on the line right now is Chris Regan, one of the star Family Guy writers and, of course, five-time Emmy winner when he was with The Daily Show. And, of course, your 2014 Ithaca College commencement speaker. Chris, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, thank you for having me, guys. Chris, thanks so much for coming on. You graduated from IC in 1989. Since coming back yeah. to the campus, how, how has it changed? Uh, it has changed radically. Uh, I was there probably last spring. Just kind of, I was visiting a friend in the area, and I had a little trouble finding myself from one end to the other. Uh, I've never seen the A&E building. That was kind of a Beautiful shock. building. It, it certainly is. Uh, looks like something out of Caprica. The uh, uh, <laughs> Battlestar Galactica spinoff, uh, but no, no, my, you know my old dorms are still there. Dillingham, where I went to school, is still there. The Park Building opened the year after I left, so I never studied there, but I got to walk around the construction for about two years. Now, Chris, obviously, you were chosen to be the commencement speaker for Ithaca College. How did that offer and that opportunity come about? Uh, I got an email from President Rashan back in December, asking if I wanted to do it. And I paced around nervously for about an hour before I responded. But uh, I wrote him back and said, yeah. So, Chris, do you know exactly what you're going to say next week? Pretty much. <laughs> what, goes, what goes into preparing a, a, such a speech like that? Um, for me, a great deal of fear initially. <laughs> and uh, I've written several drafts of it, but uh, I have one hammered down that I really like and I hope everyone else will like. And I've just been going over it the past couple of weeks. And being a writer, I kind of obsessively fine-tune and fine-tune and fine-tune. But I have finally stopped fine-tuning it. And uh, I am just going to get it in my head. Now, Chris, you mentioned, obviously, that your profession, you're in the writing industry. You write for Family Guy right now. You used to write for The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. What made you want to go into writing? Uh, You know... Honestly, it wasn't anything that I really kind of made a hard and fast decision about until my junior year or so of college. Uh, I went into it to go with a whole bunch of different ideas about what I wanted to do. I wanted to do film and TV, and I wanted to do comedy and maybe acting stuff, and I wanted to do journalism and all this other stuff. And I started as a TBR major and poked around a bit. I hosted an entertainment news show my freshman year. 
I believe it was called uh, Just Fun or Just for Fun. I, I can't believe I'm blanking on it. <laughs> and I did a lot of broadcast journalism kind of things. And then I wound up on a comedy show on ICB TV called The Nothing Special my second semester freshman year. And that kind of introduced me to more narrative writing kind of things. And then I became a film major my sophomore year. And around my junior year, I came to the conclusion that I really didn't like making films. I really just preferred writing things and having someone else either make them really good or ruin them. (laughs) Take all the responsibility off myself. So I decided around then that that was what I was most comfortable with and what I was best at. So Chris, let me ask you, how did The Daily Show and Jon Stewart, how did that position come about? Uh, You know, I was poking around in New York doing stand-up comedy for a couple of years. And I mostly did topical stuff. You know, I've, I've always been, uh, well, like I said, I was very interested in journalism when I started at IC. And a lot of my act was kind of news-based, what was going on in the newspaper. And a friend of mine gave me Colin Quinn's fax number when he was the host on SNL. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm sorry, when he was doing Weekend Update. And how they used to do it back then, they would have, I don't know, hundreds of people faxing jokes. And Colin would occasionally you know, like pick some and buy them and he'd send you a check. This was like, I don't know, 1997 or so. And I did that for Colin pretty steadily for about two years. I was also supporting myself by acting in TV commercials as well. And um, John took over The Daily Show in early 1999 and he was looking for some new guys and he asked Colin and Colin gave him my name. So John Stewart hired you as the first writer on The Daily Show. Can you talk about your experience working for John? Uh... It was quite a long and varied one. I was there for about seven years, and the show changed pretty radically over the time that I was there. Um, it was very much when I started uh, quite a bit like the daily show that Craig Kilborn hosted beforehand for three years. It was pretty much the entire same staff, same head writer. John took over. He wanted to change it around. Uh, he brought in some new people, and then it became a bit more based on what was going on in the world. The previous show had done about 50% news, 50% personality, like you know, making fun of celebrities and stuff like that. That was never particularly interesting to John, and uh, we became more hard news, if you will. And the show, during the 2000 election, that dragged on for months and months and months, that's when the show sort of became the show that it is now. Uh, you know, and that it became something that people turned to, you know, almost as a news destination and as much as a comedy destination. And, uh, yeah, I was there through 2006 or so. I was there for seven seasons and I uh, came out to L.A. in 2007. But, no, it, it was it was a good time. Uh, it was a good show to be on. I was, you know, uh, I, I have a bit of an attention span issue. So after seven years, I was good and ready to go. (laughs) Chris, how did this Stephen Colbert personality really come into the show, whether it was writing or was it John? How did that come about? I'm not sure what year it was, but how did that personality really come out? You know, it was one that kind of evolved over time, uh, especially if you look at some of his early appearances. Like he was on, I think he started around 97, 98 in the Kilmore era. And then when I started, he actually wasn't on the show. He was doing Strangers with Candy on Comedy Central. And then he came back, I think around 2000. And it wasn't the guy that later wound up on the Colbert Report. I mean, he was a bit of a blowhard, um, a little bit wrapped up in, in himself, but it wasn't that sort of Bill O'Reilly character yet. Okay. Uh, that, that began to emerge a little later. And later in the run of the show, around 2005, uh, myself and another guy wrote 
these like little one-minute interstitial things that were just going to kind of bump out the commercial. And one of them was uh, a sketch called Sunday Mosaic with Rob Cordry. And that was going to be a parody of a Sunday morning public affairs show where Rob was going to talk about race and ethnic issues and, you know, the kind of thing that every local news station has on around 6 a.m. Sunday. And the other one was something called the, the Colbert Report with a hard T on the end of it. And uh, that was basically, <laughs> it, it was a parody of a commercial that was running at the time for uh, a book that Bill O'Reilly had written. That was just Riley in the camera challenging the, 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 the people at home to actually read this very important tome that he had written. So the show originally started out as this like, one-minute-long sketch. And then I think someone a little bit further up on the food chain thought that it might make uh, its own half-hour program. Now, Chris, what was your reaction when CBS announced that they were going to hire Stephen Colbert to replace David Letterman in 2015? It sounded like a very good decision to me, and I imagine for him, he's probably thrilled not to have to, you know, adhere to that character for <laughs> 22 minutes a night. I mean, you might not realize it, but if you watch the Colbert Report, there's an awful lot of writing that goes into that show, oh, yeah. maybe more writing than on any other late-night show. And to crank that out, you know, four times a week, that could really wear a person down. I mean, d- d- doing late-night television in general, doing, getting a show on the air every day, is really pretty rough. And having to be the guy who delivers all that every day, <laughs> I imagine he's really looking forward to throwing to a musical guest or just sitting back and hearing, you know, Josh Hartnett talk about his latest TV show for, for 10 minutes. I mean, I, it's a longer show, but I imagine there'll be, to some degree, a little bit less heavy lifting for him. We're joined here by Chris Regan. Chris is a writer, former writer on The Daily Show, current writer on Family Guy. Chris, we're going to move over to Family Guy a little bit. How did you get involved with Seth MacFarlane and Family Guy so late into the show? Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, w- I would have hopped on earlier. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was uh, working on a show called The Jesselnick Offensive on Comedy Central, and a pal of mine that worked on Family Guy uh, asked me if I had some time to write Oscar jokes because he was working with... Seth at the time. And, you know, I said, sure. <laughs> and uh, uh, I spoke to Seth on the phone, and I faxed him a, uh, some jokes, and I think he used one of them on the, on the telecast. But then just a couple of weeks later, not having anything to do with that, my agent called me and asked me if I wanted to submit because they were looking for writers. And I submitted, and I'm on. I've, I've only been on about a year. Okay. So I'm still pretty new to the show. I'm in my second season. I I worked all through season 12, and we're now working on season 13. Chris, what's it like to work with a guy like Seth MacFarlane? Oh, you know, it's great. I really like working in animation. I also really like working on a show that's been on the air for a couple of years, and they know how to do everything. I mean, over the past five years here in L.A., I've I've been working on a lot of startup shows, and it's pretty rough getting a show up and running. I mean, it, it takes a tremendous amount of work. It often doesn't work in general, so it was really good to go into an office where people knew what they were doing uh uh it's a show that people like uh you know it's uh, it's a well-oiled machine and it speaks to a lot of my background in sketch and kind of topical stuff because you know the show flies all over the place it isn't you know a bunch of people sitting in a coffee shop talking you know and uh with animation it's very liberating as a writer to just you know uh, uh just pull so many ideas out of the blue sky and put them into the show. Chris, do you find it all, is it tough to write for Family Guy? I, I feel like just wa- being a viewer of the show, I could see how it could be difficult, you know, filling in jokes and things like that. Do you ever find it tough? 
Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it certainly is tough. Fortunately, uh, we, we have about 18 or 19 yeah. writers. Wow. And, um, you know, the great thing about a staff like that is if you're having an off day, I mean, uh, on any staff, really, if you're having an off day, ideally, one of the other 19 people will be able to pick up the slack. I mean, the, the toughest thing for me as someone who came out in season 12 is keeping track of everything they've done seasons 1 through 11. Absolutely. You know, because when it gets time to pitching ideas, uh, you know, you think you'll pitch the greatest, most unique idea in the world that came to you in a dream last night. And one of our executive producers, one of whom has been, who has been on the show since day one, uh, will tell you, uh, yeah, that's too close to Stewie did something or other in season two, blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, it, the real challenge is to keep it fresh and new and do you know, just come up with something new for these people to do. I can't imagine what it must be like on The Simpsons. Yeah, right. They have another 10 years running. And, uh, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm trying my best. I'm really enjoying it. And uh, hopefully we'll all be able to keep the show on the air for, you know, God knows how long. Now, Chris, final question before we let you go. You are a five-time Emmy winner, so we kind of asked, does it ever get old winning Emmys? No. Can't no. get old. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you get used to it, and yeah. um, uh, I mean, it, it's a nice thing to get used to. And, I'm, you know, at The Daily Show, after a while, it's sort of, uh, how do I say this without it sounding too horribly obnoxious? You know, <laughs> after a while, it kind of seemed like a sure thing. <laughs> you know? like, so, so you would go there and get one and begin to think, like, wow, are they even watching? Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I will tell you, winning one is much better than losing one. I can um, imagine. <laughs> for, for a lot of reasons. Uh, the first ceremony that where we were nominated, we didn't go because 9-11 had just happened. Okay. And they had scheduled and canceled, and they rescheduled again. So we just watched from a bar on, like, West 55th Street. And um, the bar was very noisy, so we were just watching subtitles. So we got to see that we won via subtitles. Really? Brady. But the following year... We went, and it was kind of a weird category because they had put the 9-11 concert for heroes in our category, and it was all kind of odd, and we lost, and that sucks. I mean, because... <laughs> not as sweet as winning, I mean, right? I mean, I mean, like, for, for not winning, but also then you just have to kind of sit in the ceremony for another hour and a half and think, ah, I lost. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if you do win, you get to go backstage and meet famous people and have your picture taken, and that's, uh, that is a great, great experience, and I highly recommend it for anybody. Chris, thanks so much uh, for taking a few minutes out of your day and uh, joining sure us on thing. the show. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, are, are you guys graduating? Uh, we, are we are both fresh. freshmen right now. Yes. Oh, okay. All right. All right. So I won't see you on the big day, but uh, I'm really looking forward to it, and I can't wait to get up there. All right. We look forward to having you back. Thanks again, Chris. Take care, guys. Special thanks again to our guest on today's show, Mr. Chris Regan, who is the 2014 commencement speaker, five-time Emmy winner, and of course, used to write on The Daily Show and is now one of the writers on Family Guy. It was a lot of fun to talk to him. Yeah, Chris is an awesome guy to talk to, and it's the college commencement speaker of 2014, so it was a perfect time to get him on with him coming back next week. Of course, and but that's going to do it for us for the semester, Dan. We've had a lot of shows. we put about 18 of these things on the air. It's been a lot of fun every time, a lot of hours in the production room, editing the shows, recording the shows, playing the shows, but we've enjoyed every minute of it, and we'd really like to thank our audience for tuning in. We'd like to thank ICTV for the help of getting our show on the air, Absolutely. putting it on their website and on iTunes, but it's been a lot of fun, and we can't thank everyone enough for tuning in and making it all worth it. Yeah, and it wouldn't be possible, like Jake said, without ICTV and the work they've done, putting it on 
up on the website, putting it up on iTunes, and it has been a lot of fun, and we look forward to coming back in the fall. But that's going to do it for us, but we will see you once again in the fall. For Dan Budick, I'm Jake Aspen saying so long. Listening to the Asman and Budic podcast. Make sure you go on to iTunes and subscribe to the show.